get up to speed and, and see where we are this morning uh, in this passage of Scripture. I want to remind us of our journey this past year. We, uh, the beginning of November is when we uh, really started to meet as a church. The first couple of Sundays in November were uh, Sunday nights in my home, uh, really talking and laying out a vision and real, really a possibility of us starting a church. The third week of November of 2017 is whenever we had our first Sunday morning uh, worship service in a, uh, in a shed. And from that point, we have gotten <clears throat> to where we are today. But when we first started uh, in November, that, that third week in November, it was already getting close to Christmas time. And we, uh, we began in the book of Luke because Luke was the person who wrote the book of Acts. We knew even right at the beginning of November, the first book that we wanted to dive into was the book of Acts. And, uh, but we didn't jump into it, like I said, right at the beginning because we went through that Christmas season. And we looked at Luke's account. We wanted to know who Luke was as a writer, who was he as a person, and all of those things. And so we went through that first uh, about six weeks looking at uh, Luke's gospel of the birth of Christ. And then we, first of the year, we got into the book of Acts. And so we have journeyed through the book of Acts all the way up until a few months ago when we stopped for the seven feasts. But then, um, but then we have now are finishing off the book of Acts. The book of Acts, why it was so important is because it was really laid out it laid out the New Testament church. Everything before Christ was the law, and it was through the Jewish people. When Jesus Christ came on the earth, he was the, he was the one, he was that the law being fulfilled through him, through Christ, and it wasn't available just to the Jews, but it was opened up into the rest of the world for the Gentiles. And so from that, the Lord Jesus Christ put the gospel put this new covenant into the hands of 12 men. That was his apostles. That was the disciples that had walked with him. And so the book of Acts gives us that account of how the Lord Jesus Christ, through these 12 men, established the churches and how these men, including the apostles, and Paul was not part of the uh, original 12, but he was an apostle also. And he went out there as well, spreading the gospel, not only into Jerusalem, but also to the utter parts, uttermost parts of the world, the Bible tells us. And so that is what the gospel, not what the gospel, but that is what the book of, Luke, of Acts tells us about, of how the gospel was spread throughout the entire world. It has been said if you were to read your Bible without the book of Acts, it would be very confusing because you would have the time of Jesus Christ ascending into heaven and then when you would turn into the book of Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, you would look and just be like, how did the gospel spread from Jerusalem, the Jewish people, to all the other Gentiles? So it is a great importance this morning that we're very thankful that we have the book of Acts to kind of put those pieces into place. And so that is what we have tried for us to see this past year. I would have hoped not only for myself, but for us as a church that we have uh, that we have taken and taken on this book, understood this book. Uh, I wish that we could, you know, there's so much material in this this book of Acts that we could literally go back and preach it a whole nother time this year and get 
all new experiences from it because there's no way to exhaust this book uh, in, you know, and to grab its entirety uh, even in just one time going around. But as we look this morning, we're gonna, the title of my message this morning through the book of Acts, in the book of Acts of this last few chapters, is understanding. It's to gain some understanding of what God was trying to accomplish through this book and what the Apostle Paul was trying to accomplish by getting to this city, getting to Rome. Okay, And so as we're going to look this morning... We're going to pick up at verse 20, uh, at, uh, chapter 28, verse 17 is well, where I will read in just a few minutes. Um, but I want us to understand what has happened very clearly now in the life of the Apostle Paul. We understand, as I, as I kind of referenced a second ago, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he came on the earth, a man that knew no sin, died on the cross for us to make a way for us to have a relationship with holy God. Let's be reminded this morning that we are a sinful people. And how can we have a relationship with a God who is holy and perfect? If he was to interlock, if he was to have a relationship with mankind who is sinful, that would make him sinful. That would, that would stain him in who he is. And so the only way for us to get to God is that God came to us. He came to us through his son, Jesus Christ. He laid down his son there on the altar for him to shed his blood on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And so when he did that, if we would accept that free gift, he tells us, then because of the blood that was shed for us through Jesus Christ, we can now have and enter into a relationship with holy God. That is the only way that you and I as sinful people can interlock and have a relationship with holy God is because, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as I said just a little while ago, that Jesus, once that happened, he ascends up into heaven. He tells his disciples, he says, listen, you think you're better off with me here on the earth walking alongside of you. But he says, and after I depart in 10 days, I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you me in the way of the spirit and he is going to come and live inside of you uh, each and every day if you are a believer. And he is going to walk with you. He is going to teach you and help you along the way. I set up my com uh, community group a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I asked them, I said, uh, if you could ask Jesus one thing. If you could ask him one thing. And if, let's say he was in the other room and he were to walk into this living room right now. And you have the opportunity in this group of people to ask him one question. What would it be? And everybody, and I said, would you have a question? And what would it be? And, and they all kind of just chimed up. And, and I ask you that this morning. If you could literally just let, let Jesus sit right next to you and Jesus turn to you and you say, and Jesus say to you rather, what do you, you have a question for me? I'll answer anything that you want this morning. Do you have something? Do you? Let me see some heads. I mean, do you have anything as far as if Jesus were to ask you this morning, like you, you have an opportunity to just ask me one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, you say, yeah, absolutely. I believe we all do. But what Jesus is telling his disciples before he leaves, my spirit is me. My spirit, if you're a believer, rests inside of you and you could pray and ask me any time you need it. And even as an unbeliever, you say, well, I don't have that promise because I'm not a believer this morning. 
I know the Spirit of God doesn't dwell inside of me, but the Bible tells us that if we call upon Him, if we reach out to Him, if we, if he, if we call for salvation, if we call for help in time of trouble, that the Lord hears our prayer. So even for you as a non-believer, when you call out to Him, the Bible says that He will hear you. And so better than Him being here physically, because guess what? He... We could only be at one place at one time. If Jesus were to walk away physically, he would not be here for us to ask him a question. Are you still with me? But when we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, it doesn't matter if we're not together, gather like we are in church today. You don't have to come to church to experience uh, communication with God. You could be at your workplace. You could be in your home. You could be at any place, anywhere, wherever you're at. You could physically, spiritually, I should say, ask the Lord Jesus Christ something because hopefully this morning, if you have a relationship with him, he lives inside of you. And so that is what Jesus promised to his disciples. And then they went on their journey, not only into Jerusalem, but to the rest of the world to give, the, give them the gospel. And so Paul, he was a person who was a Jew. He grew up hating and despising the Gentile people, the people that were not like him. He despised them. And so for him, when the Lord changed his life, it's just so interesting and unique and kind of humorous that the Lord called him to go serve the very people that he once despised. And so it was Paul's job to get the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the very people that he hated, the Gentiles. And so Paul would go into these cities and he would establish a church and he would uh, uh, tell them about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many would come to know Christ as their savior. And he would go to another city and so on. When he gets here to this point, he's, the Jewish people hate him. They now have turned against Paul because he's not preaching their religious, uh, religious ways. He's just strictly preaching Christ. And they, as a large majority of the Jewish people, have not accepted Christ as their Messiah, as their Savior. And so the fact that Paul is preaching this and they feel like it's going against the religion of the Jewish people. And so they completely turn against Paul. They're mad at him. They accuse him of all of these different things because they want him silenced. They want him locked up. Well, you remember last week when we saw this, Paul, as a, as a Roman citizen, um, well, before I get to the Roman citizen, excuse me. But anyway, Paul was dead set to go back to Jerusalem. If you remember from last week's study, he was, he was leaving out of Ephesus and he was going. He wanted to go back to Jerusalem where the, where the Jewish uh, New Testament church, as far as a Christian church, was set up, was there in Jerusalem. And Paul wanted to go there first. And you remember they said that the, he had warnings before he went to Jerusalem. Uh, they had great people that told him, Paul, you're going to be chained up. You're going to be locked up. You're going to be bound up. For the gospel, if you go to Jerusalem, and Paul says, I must go to Jerusalem. He was dead set on going. He knew what led, uh, lied, later, whatever, was ahead of him, right? And so Paul was dead set that he was going to go to Jerusalem. So he goes, and they do the very thing that he was warned that was going to happen to him. He goes into Jerusalem. They bound him up, and they tell him, listen, we, we want to put you to death. We want all this horrible things to happen to the Apostle Paul. And so they bring him to the authorities. Of course, they find no fault in, in him. The same way they did that to Jesus, 
The same thing that they were doing to the Apostle Paul. And so finally, Paul was a Roman citizen. Yes, he lived there uh, in, in Israel, but he had, a, he had a dual citizenship. And he was able, when all these charges came against him, he was able to appeal to Caesar. And so he wanted to take it to the highest court, kind of like for us taking it to the Supreme Court on a case against us. And Paul said, I want to take my case to Caesar. And he had every right because of his citizenship. And so that's what we see here in the last couple of chapters in the book of Acts. And so you see there that Paul is making his way in the last part of chapter 7 as he's journeying uh, through uh, on a boat. Uh, he knows that he's going to make his way to Rome. And, but he's there on that ship and the ship goes into some very treacherous uh, uh, waters and terrain and they, uh, they find themselves self shipwrecked and they find themselves on this island uh, there of called Malta, uh, the last, uh, chap last part of chapter 27, the first part of chapter 28. And there's, there's, there's over a hundred something people that were there on that ship. They're all saved. Great things start happening on this, uh, on this island. And Paul's just showing God's grace and God's mercy to these people, not only on the island, but the people who were shipwrecked with him. Paul does miracles before them. And uh, once they kind of gather their things up together, they're able to make their journey finally to Rome. Why I said all that, I wanted us to understand of just how, what's the whole reason we're in Rome and what's the purpose for this. The Apostle Paul wasn't just concerned with his life. Now let's settle into this. He wasn't just concerned with his life as far as whether he'd lose it or whether he'd gain it and continue on to do the work of the Lord. He was worried about getting the gospel out to as many people as he possibly could. He knew there was no other way that he would be able to really have an have a, uh, audience of the highest court in that time than besides him doing this, what he's doing right now. He's fixing to be able to be in front of Caesar himself. He's able to be in front of all the Roman leaders and all the people that are there in Rome to really spread the gospel. And so Paul is doing this for the cause of Christ. And so we're really seeing this book wrapped up and it's going to give us this morning a little bit of understanding. Before I read, the last thing that I want to say, because I've been lying up to this point saying that I'm going to read and I haven't, right? And so uh, as we go through a lot of mess and a lot of garbage in our life, and we want to know right there in the middle, right there actually at the beginning, why are we going through these things in our life? We want understanding from God. We want to understand everything that is happening with us right then and there. And many times, more probably so than not, we don't get the understanding before we have to go through some stuff and go through some mess. And so for us, we're looking to God and asking God for answers even before we even go through any kind of things, any, any mess or any garbage and any kind of a wilderness or desert times in our life. We want to know before we're going into those things what's happening. And if you think about it, if you have kids this morning, I think about it related to my kids, is that, you know, when I ask them to do something, you know, God forbid me ask them to do something, right? And they want to know why. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of times there's blessings that I want to give them. A lot of times there are just straight uh, instructions that I want to give them. But before, I, before they do it, they want to know why. And so for us, we, we treat God the same way. We start going through a little bit of mess. We start going through some trouble. We are, are just, even just direction that God gives us, even if it's not trouble. And we want to, before we enter into those things, we want to ask, well, what are you up to? Why are you doing this? And we want answers before we even take a step. And so Paul's going to give us some of these answers now. And it's at the end of this book that we get some understanding. Let's look at verse 17. It says, And it came to pass that after three days that Paul called the leaders of the, of the Jews together. So here we are. Paul is bringing those Jews together. They're in Rome. And it says, so, uh, so when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. Paul is explaining to them of why he's on trial and why he was been falsely accused. Verse 19, but when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. He's not saying I had something against you to go to Caesar about, but he's like, I am defending myself, and so I'm taking it to the highest court. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because, because for the hope of Israel. Paul's like, not just to free me, but for the hope of Israel. Israel is rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, I pray that we don't have an attitude uh, as far as in our life that is just for our gain and for, and for what is in it for me, but do we think even outside of ourselves at the least? I mean, is, are we even thinking about others? You know, for me, I'm very grateful and thankful for the fact that I have a relationship with the Lord. I, I say that very humbly, I really do, to say that I'm very thankful that I don't have to walk through this life by myself. I feel like I already make a mess of my life and I know I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And the only reason I'm not doing more of what I should do is because I'm not listening to what God is trying to tell me. I go ahead and do the things that Garen wants to do versus what God wants to do. And it finds my, me in a mess and I'm uh, a lot, um, you know, Lisa was doing a couple of things last night. And uh, as soon as she would work on one thing, the kids would come behind her and she said, I'm, I feel like I'm taking one step forward. And she didn't say two steps back. She felt like she was going three steps back. I mean, she's like one step forward, three steps back. And, and it was just the way we are as people is that when God's trying to do stuff in our life and then we find ourselves messing our own selves up and we're taking three steps back, are we doing things to... Are we doing the things that God wants us to do, like I said, just for ourselves? Or are we doing it for the kingdom of the Lord? And for, for me, the reason I keep going three steps back is because of me. And what I was saying here is that Paul was saying to them, he says, listen, for the hope of Israel. And the reason I was saying just a second ago, the reason for me, I am thankful that I, even though if I find myself in a mess, I'm thankful that I have a relationship with God for God to help me through those things. And so when I see my neighbor and I see people that I come into contact with who do not have a relationship with God, 
I know that's a lonely place to have to try to figure out this life on your own. You should want and desire for them to have the hope of Israel, the hope of God in their life, just like you and I hopefully are experiencing this morning a relationship with God. He says, uh, but I am this hope of Israel. I am bound with this chain because of my because of my efforts for Israel. I am now bound in verse 21 says, then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of your brethren who have who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to Paul, came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So Paul is having a day to explain himself to them. It says in verse 24, And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. He said he had an opportunity to really explain himself. Some believed Paul, and some trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of the Jews still disbelieved. Verse 25, Paul says, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. This is what Paul's word was to them. And let's remember in context, this is Luke who is writing this, this account. And we don't actually see him appeal to Caesar. It's right before. And he's telling us Paul's last words, basically, at the end of this book. Paul's last words as far as right before he goes to Caesar. And really the close of this great, unbelievable book, this is where we're at. It's Paul, he starts to quote in the book of Isaiah. He says, the Holy Spirit, the last part of 25, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to the people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. He said, Isaiah got it right that, listen, whenever people are going to hear the gospel, and they're going to hear and see the way of the Lord that many will not understand. What a sad thing. Because listen, I would want everybody in this room to understand the message of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I, I, the Lord tells us that he's not the author of confusion. The Lord tells us that he desires to have a relationship with you. And so if we walk out of this door because of lack of understanding. I, I pray it's not because of my presentation of the word this morning. I pray that you, through the reading of God's word and scripture, that you would understand through that. I pray that it's going to show us in just a second that your heart would be right to receive understanding from the Lord this morning so that you don't have to walk out of here this, uh, today not understanding and knowing your relationship with the Lord. And he says, listen, they will, they seeing you will not see and not perceive. And verse 27 says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have been closed. You know, for us, not only as a first time, you know, for us, when it comes to salvation, if you've been, if you, you have a relationship with God, that means that your, your heart was open to the Lord, 
your eyes were open, your ears were open to the Lord, and you received what the Lord was telling you. Now, like I said, if you're a person here this morning and you've not received that from the Lord, I pray that you would be open to the Lord this morning. For Christians, many of you in here believe that you have a relationship with God. I pray that we would always be sensitive to the things of God. And when I say that, I think about just uh, this morning, the iron. I was ironing my clothes, believe it or not. I know how to do a few chores around the house. Impressed, right? I was ironing this morning, and then I went to put it down, and I was moving my shirt, and the ironing board shook a little bit, and there came the iron. Now, I was smart enough not to grab it on its way down. I just let it fall. But if I were to grab it, my hand would have been really, what? It's hot. It, it would really have been sensitive to it. Even when you get close to it, you're just kind of sensitive to it. And so for us as believers, I pray, if you're a believer this morning, that you would be sensitive to the things of God. Just really careful that, that you would just seek the Lord. You just say, Lord, are you, is this where you're going? Is this what you're doing? And just when I use that term, being sensitive to the things of God, uh, that we'd be very careful to know what is God doing and what is God trying to say to us in our life. And so that we don't become hard of hearing. I believe it's talking about a nation here. And I think it's talking about people who are not receiving Christ. But even if you have received Christ and you have a relationship with him, continue to hear from him, continue to be sensitive to him, that your hearts won't be hard to the things of God's trying to show you and tell you. But he tells us, continuing in verse 27, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. He says, if they understand, then their hearts would turn, and it says, so that I should heal them. He said, the reason they're not being healed, the reason not, they're not having a relationship with me is because their hearts are hardened, and they're not turning to me. He goes, I want them to know. I want them to understand. And so Paul wanted them to have understanding what this journey has been about. He wanted them to know that it's all been for the reason of the gospel, for the spreading of the gospel. In verse 28, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. Paul's making it clear to these Jewish people. He says, listen, it has been given to you as a Jewish people. And now it has been offered to the entire world. Verse 29 says, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed in a great, great dispute among themselves. And then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rent, rented house. And Paul's there on house arrest. He's there after being shipwrecked and finally making his way to Rome. And he's going to appeal to Caesar. But he's there for two years in this, in, this, uh, on, in this place of house arrest, the Bible tells us. And he's there and it says, and received all who came to him. He was able to, people were able to come in and out of that home. And Paul was able to minister to them. Paul, while he's there in this, uh, in this house arrest... Um, he writes four uh, epistles. He writes Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. He writes these books encouraging churches as he's bound to this place. I mean, what a, what a testimony. What a great place to be is when Paul's there in this uh, place of he can't leave from, from this house, yet he's finding himself encouraging and strengthening other believers as he's there. And it says in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. And so for us this morning, listen, I know it's important for us to have understanding and have clarity of what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. God is up to something 
in our lives. It's up to us to know and to figure out what is God saying and speaking to us this morning. I'm going to go ahead right now and dismiss our, our older kids if they wouldn't mind quietly doing that. And while they're doing that, let's, let's turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and I want to pick up in verse 17. Mark chapter 10, and I want to look at verse 17 and on. Because I think here we get a better description of what God is really trying to say to us and what the kingdom of God is really all about. And I hope this really wraps it up. Jesus is here on the earth, and we're taking a whole different picture, but I really think it relates uh, really, really clear to what Paul is trying to tell us. But Jesus is on the earth, and he's going about, and he's teaching parables. If my kids were still in here, I would ask them the definition of a parable. Uh, they, would, they would tell you that it is a, it is a, uh, a heavenly, oh, I'm going to say it backwards, it's a, Lydia, you going to quote it for me? No. It's a uh, earthly example, earthly example with a heavenly meaning. Heavenly meaning, okay? An earthly example with a heavenly meaning. So, for instance, if I were to uh, give an example to Miss Lori this morning, I would, if, if I was uh, smart enough in banking, in finance, I would give her a banking example to relate it to a heavenly meaning. Okay, And so that is what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He would always relate it to people for them to understand. And so the first person that he gives us a parable and an example to was this person called the rich young ruler. I want to read for us just really quick and get these examples uh, out of the way. In verse 17, it says uh, in, in Mark chapter uh, 10, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do? Um, that I may inherit eternal life. You've heard this story, many of you, before. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad at, that, at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let me, make, let me make it very clear to us this morning. Jesus Christ did not want nor cared about his money. He did not want his money, didn't care for his money. What the Lord wanted from him was to show that he wanted this man. He wanted his and everything about him. And for us, there's things in our life, whether it's stepping out of our comfort zone, maybe it's a, our family that would give us a hard time if we came to follow the Lord. Maybe we're, we're more worried about financially, what does this do for us? Maybe we're worried about a lot of different things. I don't know what it may be in your life, but when you come to Christ, what Jesus is showing here is that you need to come in a way that I am sacrificing it all. I'm coming to the Lord, plus nothing, minus nothing. I am coming wholeheartedly to the Lord. He has my life. And then let's see what he's going to do. I guarantee you, if you look through the, the things of the Lord, when it comes to Job, he didn't want to just take Job's possessions. He was trying to show Job something, and he was showing us a great example. And then when Job, when he finally basically passed that test uh, through the Lord, 
the Lord not only blessed them with what he had, he doubled what he had. The Lord didn't necessarily want his possessions. He wanted him, just like he wanted the rich young ruler here. And continuing on in verse 23, then we see not only he wants it all, but he's telling us, listen, in verse 23, it says, Then Jesus looked and around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And when we think about riches here, let's not just think about actual physically what or, or financially what's in our bank account, but we are a very blessed and rich people. You know, whenever I was at the parade uh, Friday, man, everybody looked just happy and jolly and it didn't look like anybody was in need at that particular point. Matter of fact, if you wanted a cup or you wanted, a, you wanted candy or if you wanted something like that, you could have easily found it there at the, the Quincy uh, Homecoming Parade this Friday. Everybody looked happy, jolly, didn't look like there was any poverty, didn't look like there was anything wrong with us. And many times when we see each other, uh, we don't see a, a group of people who are there in need. And so we are a rich group of people. Our community is a rich group of people that don't find themselves in, in, uh, in poverty-stricken conditions. And it's saying, listen, for us, many times, unless tragedy happens, we, we're good. We're okay. And continue on verse 24, and it says, and his disciples were astonished at his words. And Jesus answered it uh, again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, 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 saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. The only way for people to come to trust the Lord Jesus Christ is for them to forsake all of these things that are in them. Because in ourselves, we're not going to sacrifice those things to trust in the Lord. But if with God, he's saying it is possible for people to sacrifice the things that they think that are good, that are, that are going to make them better in life. They would sacrifice it. They would gain so much more in God. In verse 28 says, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and we have followed you. Peter is just something else. He's really right here patting himself on the back. He's saying, we've done this, Lord. We're, we're, we're great in your sight, basically. In verse 30, 29, it says, So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now listen, there's some great salesmen. There's some great people who are like just salesmen. They can sell you anything. Lord Jesus, the Lord right here, not a good salesman. <laughs> you know, not a good salesman. Peter's, Peter's like, hey, we've sacrificed all. And the Lord's like, listen, you've sacrificed nothing. And he says, listen, and when you sacrifice... He's telling them, look, you're going to face persecution. And then when you think you're first, Peter, you're going to be last in order to be first. You're going to not, if you're first, then you're last. And so he, he's telling Peter, you got it all wrong. He said, when you come to the Lord and if the Lord makes those things possible, it's only because you've sacrificed everything to come to the Lord. And he's saying, listen, in verse uh, 32, he continues on. And he says, now when they are on the road going into the Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them, 
And they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside, the 12 disciples again, and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Jesus prophesies here and says, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus saying, this is fixing to happen to me. If you're worried about being on my right hand, if you're worried about being with me and that's where your hope is, understand, he goes, listen, I'm fixing to go die. But also there's hope because in three days I'm going to rise again. And Jesus says something very astounding here because for us, this is what the reason I wanted to say all of this. Number one, through all of, through the Apostle Paul and through all of this with Jesus that we're reading about, Jesus wants us to understand what it is to have a relationship with him. And it, sometimes it sounds gloomy. And it sounds like, you know what? You sound like Jesus. So like, you're not a good salesman either. Okay? And I understand that. But listen, if you experience a relationship with God and you're really walking in him, your life won't be defined by materials or these things that we, our, our culture, and even ourselves that we say are so valuable that we have to have in order for us to be happy and be happy in the Lord. I mean, our, everything around us tells us these things we have to have in order to be happy and to really have this life, this, this uh, glorious life that the Lord wants for us. And the Lord's telling us it's completely opposite. And he kind of gives us right here in this last group of uh, parable that I'm fixing to read. He, he's really giving us a great example. And it's so backwards and it's so mixed up of how we think. And to me, it's just a great example of what Paul was teaching earlier. Verse 35. We understand that Jesus had an inner circle, right? His inner circle, he had 12 guys, right? But he had three other guys, Peter, James, and John. We already saw Peter stick his foot in his mouth just a second ago. God, I'm great. I've done this for you. The other two guys was James and John. This was Jesus' three inner circles, guys. Verse 35 says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Listen to that. I hope this morning Jesus is not just your glorified Santa Claus this morning. Just, Lord, do for us whatever we ask. I mean, just listen to that. And instead, he continues on, he says in verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus played their little game, verse 37. They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Like, Lord, give us the highest seats in heaven. That's what we want. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptized with you, uh, with you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, 
Jesus just really brings it home. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, Lord over it, over them. Lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. And, he, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now Jesus right here talking about the bigger picture is that he's fixing to lay down his life for them, for you and me, for all mankind. He's fixing to lay down his life as ransom for all. He came as a babe in a manger, as a lowly servant on this earth. He lived a sinless life, but he came very humbly. And even when he did the good things that he did, the miracles, the signs, the wonders to heal people, they accused him and said all of these vicious things against him so that they could really crucify him. And he willingly laid down his life in that judgment, in that place of uh, persecution. He willingly laid down his life so that he would be the ransom that was given so that we could have a relationship with God. And he's telling us, and as Paul is telling us in the last part of the book of Acts, it's what the whole theme is about, is that I'm not just concerned about my well-being, and Jesus said, you want to be great. I do want to be great. I want to be a, not only a great pastor, a great, a great preacher, a great leader for our church. I want our church to be great. I want to be a great uh, husband. I want to be a great father. I want to be a great friend. I want to be a great neighbor. I want to be a great all of these things. And the Lord's telling us in order to be great in our areas of life is to be last, is to serve other people, is to put other people's needs ahead of ours. See, for us, we're looking out for number one. That's what, our, that's what we're taught. That's how we teach others. Look out for number one because nobody's going to look out for you. And guess what? That's true. That's true except when God is factored in. And like it told us just a second ago in that parable, with God, all things are possible. When I'm looking out for the interest of my neighbor and my friend and other people who are last, and I put myself as a servant last for them, then the Lord is the one that takes care of me. Instead of us trying to look out for ourselves and we leave God aside, we're only going to get so far. And fail. But with God, all things are possible. Things that are, should not be possible. People that, sh, you know, are so prideful and arrogant 
to be able to enter into a relationship with God because they have finally forsaken their way and have trusted the Lord, it's only because of God those things have become possible. Some of you have a testimony this morning to say, you know what, you didn't want to see me five years ago. You didn't want to see me 10 years ago because I'd have never thought I'd have been in a place of worship in a cafeteria uh, on a Sunday morning. I'd have never been thought I'd have been in this situation, but God has so humbled you. Maybe there's been somebody that has taken time to go and to, uh, to find you and to serve you in that spot of loneliness and lowliness in your life in a dark, low point. And somebody got there in the dirt and the miry clay to help you and help and to encourage you along the way for you to be at a different place today in your life. Jesus said that's what we should be about. That's what he was about when he came on the earth and died on the cross for our sins. And for us today, if we say that we're a believer... I pray for us as a church. I really do. And I, I say this very humbly and just also very boldly this morning. I pray that we would put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. I pray we'd be a church of just service and just love for one another. Not only in salvation, but also in addition to that, it also in just care and love. No telling what God is doing in and through people in their lives. And so this morning as we, as we finish up and as I close, I pray we would just look at this book of Acts and say, listen, that is just God pouring out his love onto mankind. God making things possible that seem impossible. The Gentile people at this time of the book of Acts, at the beginning of the book of Acts, were hopeless. Were hopeless. And at the end of the book of Acts... We're just a people with some kind of hope. They had hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. God had made things brand new for them. And for us, God wants to do the same thing in our life. He wants us to experience it, and he wants us to experience that also for other people in their lives as well. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for, for your word, Lord. And, and as we conclude this morning, Lord God, I just, I really just ask you to just continue to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I, I know this message was just kind of even all over the place as, as Paul is just kind of concluding this, this book this morning, Lord God. And I just pray that we saw the bigger picture, that you were giving clarity and understanding uh, to what's been happening throughout this entire book, that you uh, had just wrapped up a, just a great uh, ministry there through the life of Paul, but also now has set up all these churches that your gospel has been spread throughout the world because of these 12 men. And I pray, Lord God, we would see our importance this morning. We would see our relevance of how you want a relationship with us. You want us to have that understanding, Lord God. You want us, as we're walking in you, to have the understanding that it's not all about us. But it's about pouring into other people and, 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 and to be able to not say, what am I owed? What am I due? But to find that fulfillment in encouraging others, lifting up others, to be you to other people, basically. And I pray we would have that kind of heart this morning. And Lord, as we sing this song, I pray for individuals this morning that are just that have come in with so much garbage and so much just stuff just heavy-hearted and I pray Lord God that they would respond to you in this time this this time of response 
just call out to you and just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I just, I give these things over to you. Whether it's in salvation or whether it's some obstacle that they're facing as a believer. I pray we'd find ourselves just calling out to you in this moment. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing.